Hello and uh, welcome to the Here With You podcast. I'm your host, Ford. I'm again here with John Harmon. And today we're trying to kind of talk about something that's going on in the world that's kind of all the time and not just with these specific topics we're going to talk about. But before that, I do want to reiterate that we're not pastors, we're not therapists. We're just two people trying to work through what is going on in the world and compare it to what the Bible says. And the topic is more like this cancel culture. And some people say it doesn't really exist or it's not really as big as an issue. But it's more like how do we, when someone fails within the church, when they sin or do wrong, whatever level of leadership or part of the church they're at, how do, how should we really deal with that versus the world saying this person should lose their job, that they should be not allowed to work again. Um, but we believe in grace and redemption and, and forgiveness. And so how does that, how do these two worlds collide and what does the Bible kind of say about that? And so first, I wanted to kind of go in more broadly, like how, how do we, as members of the church, how do we deal with, like, sin within the church? So like, like, uh, more specific, like, issues that are more polarizing, I guess, like infidelity or embezzlement or versus like you were mean to me you know yeah how do we how how do you think we should approach that or what does the bible say yeah um i think maybe you know delineating kind of like you're saying so the church is is we think of as like being a body uh and then the pastor really is you know should be the shepherd of of the church so uh there is kind of a hierarchy to it so i think that there is you know, different roles that are played by different individuals within the body. So I think when we, you know, and I definitely will delve into, you know, what scripture says, but I think it is important to see the church, you know, as it should be biblically looked at, which is there are heads of the church, there are shepherds, there are those who, you know, solely, whether they're on staff and they're paid or whether they do play a very important role from, we think of ministry through music, we think of ministry with like children's ministry, all these different levels where they do have leadership roles. So there is a, you know, we can't, we, we can say we're all equal in, in the body of Christ, but the truth is, is within the church, there are those who play a more important role, who have more influence uh, within the church. So when we, I think maybe we should look at it from that perspective, like on a more tiered level. So looking at leadership and what it means when they become susceptible to sin or fall into sin or backslide, whatever you know, Christianese uh, terminology you want to use. But I think when they, when they find themselves in these, these types of situations, um, it can be more detrimental, right? It can have a more lasting impact when you find out that your youth pastor is involved in some scandal, you know, compared to with just uh, a regular Sunday attender uh, who comes to be ministered to, you know, when you find out about some sort of scandal in their life. So, um, I think that 
you know, I think they can all be approached pretty much the same. So I think that it can be more detrimental when we find out that somebody in a leadership role has sinned. But I think, you know, we should approach it essentially the same way as if a regular sinner, sinner, uh, a regular Sunday attender uh, were to be caught up in, you know, some sort of scandal. But I think when we look at it biblically, what it tells us to do is, you know, first approach them. Uh, and again, we're talking about this sin being approached within the church, right? So if you find out that a brother or a sister in Christ um, is sinning, uh, you should approach them about it. Uh, just as if, you know, through conviction, that leader is convicted uh, about their sin, they should, you know, approach, um, you know, other members of the church about it. They should approach them. Uh, they should uh, get it out in the open through confession uh, by admitting their sin or whether being approached by their sin to just uh, to kind of through loving correction, right? Not through condemnation, uh, because we know that, you know, in John uh, 3, 17, uh, right after the most famous verse of the New Testament, he says, you know, I didn't come to condemn the world, but to save it, right? Uh, so through loving... It's kind of uh, like what our title is. Right? <laughs> Later, when I post it. So we approach them out of love and we let them know that uh, they're in sin uh, and that we try to correct them through love, right? Not through condemnation. And I think that that's the first step. Uh, and again, just to reiterate here, we're talking about within the church body. Uh, and I think we'll get into a little bit more what it, what it looks like when we approach the world about sin. But um, we, are we kind of on the same page with that? You think as far as like with... Yeah, uh, I, think I was just going to ask, um, just because some people might think about it, is, is there a, like a line that you draw with what sin like is there any ones in that that would you, yeah, you that's a good question. use this all this approach for all types of sin are there any Absolutely. Like, instant cast outs great question Ford. and i think that uh, i don't know that there's a universal answer to that i think when there's sin to the level of which it um can infect others within the church right so by having a leader who's involved with a, maybe an adulterous affair, um, that's something that can definitely, you know, have an effect on the, the people who attend, right? The, the, the regular members, uh, simply because what does that say? Uh, if you go on having an affair uh, in, in, in private without really addressing it with the members, it kind of almost seems like a deceptive type of thing. Uh, and I think it might be sending the wrong message. So I think that when you're in a leadership role, you need to, I mean, and that's, it's just the gravity of the role in which you play. I mean, that's just, it's part of the territory. It's unfortunate that there's so much <laughs> pressure, but at the same time, there's calling on these people's lives. So if they're in a leadership role within the church, God has had a calling on their life, right? That uh, has put them in that position. And that uh, if they find themselves in, a, in some sort of situation where I think it can be, I don't want to say contagious, because I mean, but when we look at sin, I think the often, you know, analogy that we use is like, it's like cancer, right? If it goes unchecked, it can spread. Uh, and I'm not saying that everybody all of a sudden is going to start having adulterous affairs within the church. But if that demeanor of, well, he's got this thing going on, and he never addressed it, or he never 
you know, shared any of these yeah. details with us and continued to. She didn't. Why do I have to? Exactly. Exactly. So I think while, you know, it, I can only imagine what it would be like to have so many eyes on me and have so many people looking, you know, at me for direction or leadership or, you know, discipleship and, and having to oust myself for not having lived up to a standard that I get up you know, every single Sunday and I preach or I proclaim to individuals, I, that is absolutely just so much weight that I can only imagine, which as members of the church, that's why we need to pray for the leaders of our church. That's why we need to be in support of them and knowing that they have a burden that they carry that is so great. And I think that we should be thinking of them you know, when we do pray in our own private times as Christians, that we should be praying for our leaders, that we should be uh, of the church, that we should be praying for the people who are shepherds of the church, who are in charge of discipleship of the church. We should be praying for them because we know that they are, you know, not <laughs> uh, um, separated from the attacks of the enemy. And in fact, they're probably bombarded way more than we are. Uh, on a daily basis, uh, because there's nothing more than the enemy wants to see uh, than to have the shepherd struck so that the sheep scatter, right? So this, so it goes, so the saying goes, right? Um, so of course, he's trying to attack those leaders. So I think we should be praying for them on a regular basis. But kind of getting back to the original thing that we're talking about is, um, if you're in a leadership role, um, and you're involved in some sort of large scandal, then obviously I think that you should address it with, with the sheep to some degree. What that looks like, I don't know. I honestly don't know. Uh, is there any litmus test of, well, I've done this sin, so now I need to ask for forgiveness from the body. I think that as far as I would go with that is that if it's, if it's something that would go unchecked and you believe that it would cause others to stumble by going unchecked, and again, this is something that every leader is going to be asking themselves and praying and having a dialogue between them and God to find out where is this line drawn? What do they need to admit as far as what this sin going on in their life is, you know? So I don't yeah. think that there's any one solid answer to that or any litmus test to figure out yeah. what exactly needs to be shared with the congregation. Uh, but I do think that there is a, a, a checks and balances that needs to be in place for our leaders. Yeah, I know like a lot of churches will have a board of elders or deacons or whatever they kind of want to call it this sort of would over would say like you would sort of kind of do like an investigation and find kind of set it to what level it is and if it's at a, like a level where they're not like fit to lead like usually they're like asked to kind of step down some and sometimes they'll go to counseling or therapy or like and I think the question that kind of sparked my wanting to talk about this was like is it if, if we believe in grace and redemption and forgiveness shouldn't we want to, the pastor to be redeemed regardless of whatever their sin was and i know of some 
stories of pastors where they have like committed many things in one try where they're in an adulterous relationship and have a child and they were and then they murdered them and yeah. and he went to jail and um obviously probably wouldn't be able to even be a pastor again but i think he still deserves the same grace that i've been given and and might that might sound horrible to some people yeah but i'm there's jesus talks about like you know to be and forgive me if i misquoted but to be angry with your brother brothers like to murder him in your heart and and then look lustfully at another woman is commit adultery so it's like we're all just as guilty and and i think that's kind of the other part of what we were gonna we're gonna talk about is like the church culture versus the word world's culture and how we how we deal with it and i didn't i hope i'm not segueing too soon well i think you touched on something that's that's important too that i you know i think you kind of really helped me uh with that question that you initially had is what sins need to be revealed to the church and one that you touched on is so not every biblical sin is a crime in society but when yeah. i think become becomes an actual uh, there's some legal implications behind it when they've committed an actual crime then yes that absolutely i think we should all be on the same page for that that if a crime yeah. is committed and it's going to be public anyways then you should absolutely share that with your congregation um but 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 yeah kind of backtracking too you know there's b- that biblical sin aspect where you know Jesus called us to to a very higher standard for all of us. You're absolutely correct there. Um, But that doesn't mean that that, uh, we're all going to get up and start confessing our our sins in the middle of, of, you know, Sunday service. Um, (laughs) And uh, I guess kind of, so biblically, what we look at is that first thing that we touched on is is approaching them, uh, letting them know that we see the sin, that we we know they're in sin. We believe they're in sin addressing it. Right. Um, and then kind of having that expectation of them to turn themselves around. And, and in this situation, it's important that we not walk away, that we don't just expose sin and walk away, but that we walk with them and help them. And actually something that my pastor just recently was speaking on was when they talk about, uh, I believe it was Noah and his three sons. And he, after the flood got a vineyard, got drunk on the wine. One of his sons saw him in his nakedness and retreated and told the other ones. And what did the other two do? They walked in backwards and they covered it. They covered his nakedness, right? And that's kind of this idea that like, if we come across this thing that we know is not right, that we that we be with that person and, and not covering up their sins, yeah. but maybe in a sense that we pray for them, uh, you know, physically with them, Physically, when and maybe when we're not with them physically and, and, and in our prayer time, you know, separate from them, that we pray for them, that we give them encouragement, um, that we have acknowledged the sin, but we also walk with them and helping them and realizing what they've done and helping them to to redemption, right? We talk about 
you know, through faith, we believe in redemption. Uh, and, and this is something that we can display with them as we walk with them, as we help them to turn right in the error of their way, so to speak. Um, and, and that's kind of maybe second step, right, is one, we're addressing it, two, we're walking with them and helping them to realize the error of their way, and also kind of working past that and redeem, redeeming themselves in Christ, right? Um, and then really the third thing that is, is hard to swallow, is, and again, this is where we talk about, this is what applies to the church. This is the body of Christ, which we have been redeemed, we have been set aside uh, from the world, right? We are, um, you know, we live in the world, but we are not of the world. So we are held to different standards. And like you said, Jesus raised the bar for us as his children. Um, but in moving into this step three, it's kind of this, if you don't listen and you just kind of continue to revel in your sin, if you continue to commit this sin and you don't turn from your ways and you're refusing to listen, then there is this idea that we, we kind of put them out of the church that we do. Um, and honestly, it's kind of that back to that sin can be like cancer thing is we don't want this to spread within the church. We don't want to wind up with, and the truth is, is it has in many instances, churches split right down the middle. Uh, churches break up um, simply because they're, they're in disagreements. Um, but if someone has been addressed, they have been prayed for, they have been given help to turn from the errors of their way and they refuse it and they continue to live in sin. There is this, I, you know, where we put them out of the church. Uh, and then as scripture puts it, let them be to you as a Gentile and a tax collector, right? Let them be as someone who doesn't have faith, right? Because if they continue to live in sin after they've been addressed, after they've been given the tools and the resources to kind of to, to overcome these things, um, then let them be as someone who doesn't have faith, right? Let them be as someone who uh, brings harm to you, right? Who is out to get you, uh, in a sense, sort of, you know, taking the scripture there. Um, but this, this is, I think, important to remember that if you skip step two and you just push them out, then you're, you're not in the right, you know what I mean? That there, that there are, biblically speaking, ways to handle this. And that, you know, if you skip one and you just begin to gossip about them and you don't confront them about their sin, then yeah. you're not doing right. If you skip yourself. and you don't give them the opportunity to, you know, ask for forgiveness, you don't give them the opportunity to redeem themselves, uh, then you're not in the right. If you, you know, don't push them out of the church, as scripture says that you should, if you've properly done steps one and two, then you risk the chance of, you know, this sin becoming larger. And I think, you know, and again, just kind of back to this medical terminology, but infecting the church with this sin. So I think that these are kind of the ways that biblically we're asked and we're told to handle this kind of situation. Um, so yeah, I guess it's that's, kind of like an intentionality too. Yeah. With it. So versus like saying we can't let this become contagious, but like we're being intentional about the church and that's what a shepherd would do yeah like he's looking out for his flock and and uh protecting them from you know lions that are hiding in the in the wilderness you know they, they can't see them yet but they they're there um 
that other question I had was like, so when we kick them, if they're kicked out, they're set free. They're set apart from the church. There's, is there still opportunity for them to? No, they're done forever. They're, they're banished to hell. Um, no, just joking. Sarcastic, right? <laughs> I'm not sure if they'll come across some. Yeah, no. Um, good question. No, I think we continue to pray for them. Obviously, they're not going to physically be there, but we continue to pray. And we continue, because that scripture says that, that God desires that not that not one man go unsaved, right? That, that, that not one man shall perish without, without knowing the forgiveness and the redemption of Christ. Like, that's what the heart of, of Christ desires, is that everybody would be uh, reconciled with the father. So that's his heart. That's what he desires. So even if they've been put out of the church, uh, that's not where it ends for us as believers and, and as the body of Christ, that we continue to pray for them, that we continue to perhaps check up on them, that we, we don't just let them, you know, be given to the wolves. Um, but at the same time, we, that is a kind of a point of it is that as they're outside of the church, they're given to their own sin and that, eventually they are going to realize that they need something that their sin is not giving them, that they are not fulfilled in living in their sin. Um, you know, and that we, we do continue to be there for them in a sense that we are praying for them, uh, that we are openly, you know, that we are ready to give them advice, that we are ready to counsel them if they are able to, come back with, I think, this, this heart that's been changed by, by God or, or Christ or, or is asking for, you know, redemption, then I think that there, there's definitely an opening back up and allowing them to come back when they have um, wrestled with this or dealt with this and God has kind of worked in their heart from, from outside, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm not sure what to, where to go with from there. Yeah, uh, I mean, it is. It's kind of like it's one of the hard things to swallow. Is like, I I have known through personal experience. I went to a church, um, and uh, that's as far as I'll go with it. But there was there was a church that I attended where there was a pastor's daughter who had an affair with another member of the church, and they were addressed about it, and. Um, they decided to continue with it. Um, and they and we're talking a pastor's daughter. And they they went with biblical scripture and they they asked them to leave. Uh, they asked them not to continue going to the church if they were going to continue their affair. And they they left the church. Um, now they did eventually um, they actually married each other and they continued going to church and they even had children together. So um, they're believers, but in that instance, they were refusing to stop what was sin, uh, what had been addressed as sin. Not only was it adultery, but I mean, they were, they were essentially outside of their marriages, you know, continuing to be with each other and, and they refused to stop that. And, and so I guess the point I'm making is that this was a pastor's daughter and I, I can only imagine how much it pained him to have to go with what scripture says, because it's so, it's, it just seems mean to think that, wow, this pastor actually 
shut his daughter out of the church that he he was the shepherd of yeah um i think somebody from out somebody from like outside the church would view that as like not loving absolutely absolutely but there was there was these levels that it got to before that it wasn't just they shut them out because they were embarrassed by them no imagine the courage and the strength that it takes to have to address your child with something um where other individuals within the church or have been addressed of it they know what's going on um I mean, I can just imagine emotions, embarrassment, you know, the anxiety of what are these people going to think of me? This is my own child. Uh, and then when your child is addressed with it and they continue to do it and, and knowing that the other members of the church are, are being loving, but they, at the same time, it reaches a point to where, okay, they're not listening to us. They're continuing to do this thing that they know is wrong. We've, we've got to ask them to leave, you know, and then even when they leave the church, what does that person then feel? I'm sure that they felt abandoned by their own father, um, by the church that they had grown up in. So it's it's this two-edged sword where the individuals having to push them out feel remorse and regret for having to do it. And the people who are caught up in the sin and, and their refusal to, to ask to be redeemed or to acknowledge their sin continue to do it. Um, but I think at the end of the day, those individuals did have to deal with what they were doing. And, and they did have to go through a process to, for redemption. And, and, and I know that now, it having been some time into the past, they have a great relationship with their father, who's still a pastor at the church. And, you know, they still have a personal relationship with Christ. And I don't know all the details of it, but I know that that they have overcome those things that they, that they had to go through. So, and you're absolutely right. Like within the church, being a member of that church at one point in time, I thought to myself, man, like that seems a little harsh. That seems like something that I myself don't know that I would be able to do that. Um, but at the end of the day, it's, that's the thing is we live by faith, right? Like we do read the Bible knowing that it is inspired scripture of God and that it is, uh, better for us to take his word in and to, to treasure it, to know that it's, it's something that is of God. And that even if our emotions tell us that this doesn't feel right, that we know that God has commanded us to listen to his word because his word is what is good for us. So, I mean, it is, there's this definite conflict where it seems like it's not all holding hands and kumbaya within the church, you know, and it, and it's definitely, tumultuous times that that uh bring controversy but at the end of the day like we do have his word to stand on and we don't take it in piecemeal we don't take some of what makes us feel good we don't just abide by what you know seems right to the world uh or seems right to some members you know it's it's what god has commanded us to do and that's a part of our walk you know is it's learning to to have faith and what God tells us. Yeah, and I think that kind of transitions to the other part I wanted to talk about, and that's like the what the state of the world today, or at least through the lens of social media, is like the quote-unquote cancel culture, um, whether that's what it actually is or that's what it's portrayed as. But like how 
when someone even just a in the world like not even like a pastor or anything like um turns out to be like a bad person or like I guess the biggest example that kind of comes to mind is I know it's going to be a little hard to swallow for some people but like the Weinstein company guy with the production company like he had a lot of sexual harassment charges against him um, he definitely abused his power and his whole like company came crumbling down and nobody wanted to ever do a movie with them or his company even if he was gone or and then even people I think like retroactively like won't watch these films or I mean that's kind of like an extreme example and then well, there's a lot of ex- a lot of ex- a lot of them going on, but like I guess the the cusp is, is like that. There's this like initial reaction to like, yeah, to stone them or to like just yeah. like. Well, let me ask them. you, like, when you think biblically about like instances in the Bible where that seems to be passing, like, what are some of the things? I hate to put you on the spot, but like, what are like imagery wise, like stories visually? What do you think of like? when it comes to like we got to cancel them immediately like is there any instances in the bible well i mean i i mean the main one that i talked about earlier was like with jesus and barabbas and and like you know like they make these claims and i'm not saying any of the people that i talked about aren't guilty but they make these claims that you know you know jesus is claiming to be the son of god or he's committing all these sins and then he needs to be crucified and and they're doing it all without even kind of like a fair trial and i think that's kind of like the the dividing line between the the culture right now and what the church does is there's no like fair trial or due due process in in legal terms that like we just instantly want to convict them yeah whether they're guilty or not before we find out anything and like people are like somebody can post and especially if it's done through social media somebody can post something it could be sarcastic you don't know the full meaning of it um it's all more uh interpretation but then like you know they can lose their job instantly just for their remarks and sometimes they're really bad remarks but due process and equal judgment like like I would want to say I would want a fair trial if somebody accused me of doing those things and I think like people forget that um, because the culture is not grounded on the church and sin and a fallen world world and those kind of things they forget that we're just as capable of doing these horrible things because we're humans in a fallen world and and i hope from listening to us maybe it sort of sparks like i need to be a little more um 
fair to at least see through the process before any judgment is made. Yeah. Because you're like learning people's lives. Absolutely. Absolutely. And um, for me, I think of um, the woman who was caught in adultery, right? Yeah, there's that one too. Seems seems to be no ifs, ands, or buts. Like she's caught in the act, right? Um, Which, to be honest with you, I think that, and I'm not even going to, you know, put the different instances of these worldly figures. But uh, I mean, you've got the Weinstein's where it's like, okay, these this is this is pretty surmounting evidence against this guy. You've got yeah. even like Roseanne, who she said it. You know, she said those things that were hateful, uh, that were very negative, and that were very demonizing to one race. Um, you know, and then you've got other ones where it's just like, like I think of Chris Pratt, where like literally it was just held against him. The church that he goes to, uh, oh, they had this stance on you know gay marriage, so you should be canceled. So, I mean, there's different instances of it occurring, right? But I think with, when you think about Weinstein, where it, where it trickles down and it becomes like a greater thing, a snowball effect, if you will, is, you know, you've got hashtag me too, where it can be empowering, where you can have people coming out and talking about instances where they've been abused, um, right? Where it becomes, it's no, no longer the culture to hide these things because it's inappropriate to talk about or nobody's going to believe you. It can be empowering, right? But it can snowball out of effect in the sense that like all of a sudden we can accuse uh, just any, anybody of anything. And if it doesn't, you know, if what we're accusing them of is counter to what popular culture is, they've been then lumped into the Weinstein. Uh, you know, if, if I say that, you know what, I think that that general could be honored without it being a racist statement. All of a sudden I am a racist. And, and I think that, you've got these instances of people in power who have done things obviously or where the evidence really is against them but if you are in support of something that's completely not even related to them you can then be lumped into this greater category as a racist a bigot um insensitive to women whereas it's just not it's not the case you know and as, as it becomes this big snowball effect where just everyday people for things that, um, you know, all intents and purposes, they have no ill will when they say something, but all of a sudden they're lumped into a category of someone who obviously has done something uh, that was offensive. And it's just all of a sudden we're canceling each other out, right? And all of a sudden there seems to be no room for objective truth. It's all in people's opinions. You know, we're expressing our opinions on on and in some people's opinions seems to be more correct than about. others and it's uh that's where i think it becomes frightening is when it snowballs out of effect where you are lumping people into categories and and i don't think that that's fair and that's goes on to what you're speaking about right where you know do we really know how this person feels or are we taking one thing that they've said or even just an aspect of their life a church that they attend, um, a group that they like on social media, and all of a sudden they've been lumped into a larger category. And and the repercussions of that is now they're a racist or a bigot, and we all know that racists and bigots should lose their jobs, and they should lose any position of power. And it's this thing where we're not giving people the opportunity to present their side, 
uh, and we're forgetting the bigger picture of nobody's innocent, right? Nobody's innocent. Uh, and, and that's where I kind of think of back to the, the biblical story of when they want to stone the woman for being caught in adultery. And the truth is, is that, um, you know, Christ comes up and, and, and the famous line, you know, anybody who has never committed a sin, you go ahead and throw the first stone. And we all know what happens. They all are forced to walk away because the truth is, is that nobody's innocent, that anybody put under a spotlight could very easily have calls uh, for their own life, right? To be stoned, to be persecuted, because the truth is, is that we're all sinners and that we all fall short of the glory of God and that we need redemption and that we need a savior. And that's the beauty of being a Christian is we have a savior. We have somebody who can intercede on our behalf when the world would love to cast stones at us, to point the finger at us, that we have one who abdicates on our behalf. And that in fact, you know, as a Christian, I know that one day I'm going to die and I will stand before God and be accountable for the things in which I've done. And I can't, I would have nothing to say in my defense, but there is one who I believe in who will step in for me and will uh, reconcile me with the father and will say, this is, this, this, he's, he's one of us, man. This is, this is your son. Um, you know, he believed in me. And in that instance, I, 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 the judgment that I deserve will be spared from me. And I'm glad for that. Um, so, and, and I know sometimes I get so caught up, I, I go on a rant and now I don't yeah. even know how to bring it back, but, well, but I yeah. think like also all those things that you covered were good. I think, I guess is like Christians when we encounter something like what, how the culture is dealing with somebody I think we can sort of take what we talked about in the first part and apply it to dealing with things in the world. But so like, obviously like, I don't know a fan, like a famous person where I can like call them out on their sin, but, <laughs> but when there's, when someone is being called out, like I can, be intentional to find out the truth and let the truth be exposed, whether it's, it's good or bad or, but the truth is what determines the outcome. Like not my feelings or my opinions of how they should be treated, but on whether or not they actually did that first. And even if it does come out that they're they're guilty, like I shouldn't have like I should want justice, I guess, for the victims, but still have room for like praying for that person too, like because they they definitely need a, a savior and definitely need Jesus and and I I feel like maybe it's just my own personal experience, but like, I feel like everyone deserves the opportunity to know Jesus and, and it's up to, to, to Jesus to like what the outcome for their, their soul is. 
And hopefully that's biblical. <laughs> no, that was actually really well put. I, that was really good. I, I like how you, you put that was at the end of the day, let the truth um, be how we view other people. And even if the truth is that they've done something wrong, that, you know, Christian worldview is that we're there to love them and, 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 and forgive them. Uh, which is awesome. That was actually really yeah. well put. <laughs> yeah, and even in the church, like when they cast somebody out, like you know, you're talking about treating like a tax collector and a gentile. Um, I'm not sure how in depth that treatment goes, but like we shouldn't like harbor hate and anger towards them because then we become just as guilty. Absolutely. Because we're we're murdering them with our, our in our heart and and it's only really tearing us down and not allowing us to be a good example to be the light in the world and i think that's something that we could all think about to be more like intentional with how we um unless more i guess like more proactive versus reactive like intentional with like our our feelings like i'm angry that this thing happened to this person but i'm gonna hold out to see what the truth is um because especially the way things now on now are like you're getting a lot of half truths if you're going through the news and everything's not fully in the light because it's not like the pastor where he's just gonna come out and tell the church or the church isn't gonna the church brings it to light but it doesn't seem like people really get an opportunity for everything to be brought to light and and i think that's kind of a transition to the last part i want to talk about and it's like specifically to our view of even like Mainly this part was like more celebrities, like also pastors who are sort of sometimes viewed as a celebrity in their church, like regardless of like how big it is, like it could be a small church and they could still like look up, view their pastor as more than he is and have like higher expectations for for him than yourself. And in a way that's that's true. But, but we're also kind of forgetting that they're also human and they're not, you know, a perfect, sinless Jesus. Yeah. And even then, persecution is inevitable because he was sinless, but yet was persecuted. Yeah. You know? um, yeah. And, and so, like, the big one that's going on in the world now, since we've kind of set that foundation is the pastor of Hillsong, New York. I'm not going to go like in super depth with what he did because I don't know enough and that would be hypocritical for me to (laughs) tear that down when I don't know the truth. Mm -hmm. Um, But the truth that I know from him when he came to the church to tell them what they did, what he did, through Instagram was that he created committed infidelity and uh, had 
adulterous relationships and that's pretty pretty much all I know but I do know that he had a great reach and impact and a lot of people followed him and took his word as water and like as like it's life gospel yeah gospel but it's like it was what filled them up and and he's he was able to create a church that did lead people to know Jesus but um you know and he became in a way the the victim of that culture he created but also we can't all stomp on him because of it and and that's kind of hard to hard pill to, to swallow but you know like the church went through what your what we talked about earlier like those steps and he brought it before the church and hopefully he is doing some sort of reconciliation and counseling and working towards um restoration and all and and i'm and i pray for him to do that because i i think he has to the ability or calling to be a pastor but i i think he is was really like a humbling thing for him and and i hope he does one day down the road like not instantly have another opportunity to 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 get there and i hope that you know jesus really works in his heart and but i i think a lot of people would want to jump to like oh that's just how christians are or or he's the pastor he should be perfect or or this or that and and that's kind of like bringing the culture of the world into the church and and i think that's not how it should be and and how cuz sometimes like i feel like being a pastor one day or something and and like i wouldn't ever dream anything like that would ever happen or want that because i feel like i'm pretty intentional and close to god but i would also if anything was accused of me i would want to be to have that due process to have that that full yeah the full steps of everything and and i think that's only fair is because like i haven't done great things in my life i mean i haven't murdered anybody but you know i i've sinned and made will probably sin again and and i think we deserve restoration and will not not deserve but like we would want would want to uh do unto others as we want them to do unto you. I think it's in the Bible. 
Um, and and that, I feel like that's the more like gospel approach to to deal with it versus the world kind of seems more like the Sanhedrin side of dealing with with the conflict and not really restoring people or allowing them the opportunity to be restored yeah i think it's important to to kind of stay true to your faith and in doing so you are always looking for the biblical approach uh, what does God say I should do in these situations? Um, and I think that's kind of why the world takes the approach that they do is because they they lack faith. They lack hope, too. Hope is a big one, I think, because we're so quick to call for someone to be shut off and to be stripped of power and of any kind of influence because we think that what they've done is the ruin of them. It is the end of them. Yeah. Um, but our they're quick, they're quick to justify themselves. Yeah. Um, but through faith, we believe that people can be redeemed, that they can um, be healed, um, that they can find forgiveness. Um, and it's through this hope that we have, right? The, through faith, which is things unseen yet hoped for. I have faith that somebody who has uh, done something wrong whether it be the world and we coin it that way, whether it's in the church and it's a sin, that I have hope that these individuals can be redeemed, that they can um, see the errors of their way and ask for this redemption uh, and that we can lovingly help them uh, as they correct these things or as they ask for forgiveness and we come beside them. So I think, you know, that's hope is something that the world lacks that, uh, kind of drives this idea that we have to shut people off immediately for the, for their wrongdoings. Yeah. And that was my hope for this podcast <laughs> was that, you know, it would sort of be like a paradigm shift and kind of change, spin, change your view, or at least call it out in your heart when something comes up, like how am I really dealing with this biblically or am I, doing this with my own selfishness yeah and 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 not to say that anyone's better than the other doing it because i think like me and you could do the same thing like we're all capable of it and just keeping in mind um not just what is happening but what it that those thoughts and feelings can lead to and if that makes sense and and even like with the prodigal souls like um i use the word hope but it's more like an acronym i think i forget where it's uh helping people everywhere helping other people everywhere and by giving them hope and like helping them know that there's more to life and and, and I, th I think that's really why I wanted to talk about it. Like there's more than what's happening. There's more than what we see and understand. And I think, and I think only God can really reveal that, that truth. And he'll, he brings, brings it, everything to light. So that is my hope for everyone.
that they they listen to this with an open heart and an open mind and challenge themselves to be better in these kind of circumstances and I think we all be better as a community of people. So any last thoughts for you, John? Um, yeah, actually, I feel kind of led right now to do maybe like a, um, and I'm reluctant because it seems kind of silly, but I'm going to go with it because I feel led to like an airwave altar call, so to speak, where I think if there's any listeners or anybody out there who maybe have been blessed or touched through this topic or the things that we're we're talking about and maybe just feel in their heart maybe a conviction that uh that they would like to maybe uh, ask for forgiveness and maybe be reconciled with the father um and just kind of maybe lead in the moment of of of, of what that looks like because i know we're always talking about here and talking about you know biblical perspective and christian uh, world of view but um I don't know if we've ever really given an opportunity for people maybe even to, to give their life to Christ uh, through this podcast. And I really just feel led to do that. So if there's anybody out there who feels like they, you know, want to kind of lay the burden down, um, you know, Jesus talks about his yoke being, being light, uh, that if you, if you have a burden in your life, I would just encourage you to, to pray um, and, and just ask Christ to, come into your life uh, to forgive you of, of your sins and the things that uh, you've done that you've been holding against yourself for a long time, uh, the things that you, you know, condemn yourself for. You don't even need the world to, to break you down. We're pretty good at breaking ourselves down a lot of times. And if you feel like that's you, uh, to just ask Jesus to just come into your life and to just take that burden from you and to just place his yoke on you, which is light. And to give you a peace, Lord God, I just pray that you would just touch individuals right now and you would encourage them to turn to you and uh, just ask for forgiveness and just uh, profess their faith in you, uh, that you are their savior and that you came to this earth and you died for them and that you now offer eternal life. And in Jesus' name, amen, I guess is what I would say because I just, yeah. I felt a little led to do that. So, Yeah, I think that's good for our last podcast for 2020. Um, and I'll close out in uh, our prayer as well. That's okay. okay. Um, dear God, I just lift up everyone who may be listening or come across this and, or just everyone out there. Cause you know, everything's, it's been a crazy year for everybody. Um, everyone's gone through some sort of loss or, um, whether it's a job or a family member or um, other things I can't think of, and just lift lift them up, and I just pray you soften everybody's hearts because I know they're they're probably holding anger for this year and for their circumstances, and just let them know that there's more to this life to their lives than what is happening now and what it and then what's even beyond this life and i i just pray that they have the opportunity to know the hope that is in you and 
Um, so in Jesus' name, amen. Amen.